Faith with Nayelu Pondwana, 7 to 8 p.m. Welcome, you're listening to Facts of Faith with me, Nayelu Pondwana. We are together until 8 o'clock. It is now 5 after 7. Thank you, Kanyisile Manyoni. And also, thank you very much. What's his name again? <laughs> Does he have a name? <laughs> well, what's his name again? Uh, R- R- Ricardo? Rodo? What? What's Ricky? Ricky Stevens. Oh, okay, yeah. Ricky Stevens. Thank you very much for coming through. Um, still waiting for my jacket. Thank you very much. Uh, for tonight, um, we will be waiting for the jacket. Anyways, that said, we are taking the calls throughout the program as per usual. Oh eight nine one one zero four two zero seven. Oh eight nine one one zero four two zero seven. Trying to be as very succinct as possible. I'm going to read out to you what our question for tonight is. Does religion need to embrace feminist theology to address the fight and fight gender-based violence? I'm hoping you understand why we're having this conversation. We have had an upsurge of violence against women in our country it has been reported on quite widely and it has not yet been addressed desirably by the religious fraternity we still need to ask the question and hopefully we will get some answers does religion need to embrace feminist theology and this is would be to address or to fight gender-based violence? Or does religion have a role in perpetuating gender-based violence? Is it because of religion that we have gender-based violence? Seeing that there had been some patriarchal tendencies that we saw or we see in some of the scriptures. But I'm hoping you understand exactly what we're talking about. Feminist theology religion gender-based violence i'm gonna ask you the question again does religion need to embrace feminist theology to address and fight gender-based violence i'm nayelu pondwana this is facts of faith the views and ideas expressed in this program are views expressly of the people sharing them and not of the anchor or that of this broadcaster. All persons, juristic or natural, are to be held responsible for their own representations offered on this program by their agents and not this corporation. Any and all consumption of our conversational substance is entirely at your own discretion. Please be advised that this program airs subject matter that has the potential to destabilize and challenge your intellectual 
volatile equilibrium. If you are excitable, profound caution when consuming our subject matter is advised. Participation in this program is a voluntary enterprise and as such is expected to be considered and deliberated on. Kindly note that, just as the anchor is, all participants, guests and callers are encouraged to engage in this our freedom of expression and any of our civil liberties responsibly. Do you know you have the power and choice to save a life? Since May, we have journeyed celebrating true life experiences with organ donors, recipients, their families and medical teams who have shared their heartwarming stories. We have helped save a few lives. You can too by signing up as an organ donor. Catch 1000 Lives on SABC2 every Saturday at 6 p.m. SABC Education. Enriching minds, enriching lives. September's about to get real with Three's hot new reality shows. Own the Party with Chef Matthew Biancanello's show-stopping cocktails inspired by exotic locations in good spirits, Wednesdays at 8.30. Then Own the Island as millennials take on Generation X's in a new season of Survivor every Monday at 7.30. And get runway ready with the Queen of Fabulosity in Kimura's House of Fab on Fridays at half past seven. The best entertainment, for real, only on SABC3. The stage is yours. Own it. Nae Lupondwana on SAFM. Let me introduce you to our guest for tonight. We do have Dr. Pamela Sarah, pastor and entrepreneur. Good evening to you, Dr. Sarah. Thank you very much for agreeing to talk to us. Yes, good evening, Naye. Long time. Yes, indeed. Um, uh, yes, yes, I see uh, the, the name now is Sarah. No, it's Pamela Zulu. Also, Sarah is... My name is Sarah, and that's why, because... Who is my friend on Facebook? Uh, okay, yeah. all right, all right. Um, uh, also, we do have on the line Rabbi Julia Margolis, Chairman of the South African Center for Religious Equality and Diversity Sacred. Rabbi, good evening to you. Thank you very much for going to talk Hi, to us. Hi, Good evening. Thank you for having me. And also, do have Sheikh Rafiq Hassan from the Islamic Interfaith Research Institute. Sheikh, good evening to you, and thank you for going to talk to us. Uh, evening, Naya, and to your listeners. Want us to jump in right now? Does religion need to may embrace feminist theology to address and fight gender-based violence? Remember, to all of our guests, we're using scriptures to support our arguments, and hopefully, we'll be able to get to the nub of the issue using the scriptures. And perhaps, if there is need for interpretation of those scriptures, we will. But for now, I would like us to be as very pointed as possible. First and foremost, uh, I'd like to get from my guests, uh, feminist theology. What's your understanding of feminist theology, Dr. Pamela Zud? Um, feminist theology promotes uh, the rights uh, of women. I believe that's what I understand. Um, and I understand that um, religion, religious teachings or gender and power has on gender and power have an enormous impact on human life, so especially those of girls and women. So for this reason, Christians or, yeah, the body of Christ have a responsibility to accurately critique biblical teachings on gender. Do we have any example of, 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 of those uh, uh, t- 
teachings in your scriptures that would support yeah, the concept of feminist theology? Um, I believe that uh, the scriptures have a lot to say about relationships between uh, women, male and, male and female. Because if I'm to understand properly what uh, gender violence uh, refers to is any harm that is perpetrated against a person's will that has a negative impact, impact on their physical or psychological health and um, development and identity on the, of, of the person because of their gender. So this violence has its roots in gendered power inequalities that exploit distinctions between male and females. Uh, among males and among females. So these gendered uh, power inequalities, which are usually tipped in favor of males. So I believe that um, the Bible is clear on relationships, the principles stipulated for relationships between uh, the, the, the two genders. I, I, I understand the God. theory, Dr. Zulu. What I was trying to establish, if there is any scriptural support for any form of feminism, especially when you're going to call it theology, feminist theology, is there any scriptural support to support uh, feminism in scripture? Um, Galatians chapter 3, verse 23 says there is neither Jew nor Gentiles, neither slaves nor free. Well, Genesis chapter 3, Dr. Pamela. Yeah. Uh, I don't necessarily have a scripture to support feminism, but I am of the opinion that equality is what the Bible speaks of. Forgive me, I, I, I did not hear exactly what... Dr. Azul, I, I didn't hear what scripture you quoted. You said Genesis chapter 3. I, I, I quoted Galatians. Oh, Galatians. Okay. Galatians chapter 3. And of course, the uh, book of Genesis also specifically says uh, God created us male and female. Yeah. Genesis chapter 1, verse 27 to 28, we are both created male and female and yeah. we are equal before the eyes of God. Both those texts are very general and I, I, I appreciate, accept them. I don't even need to read them. I, 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 support, I, I suppose no one needs to because we know those texts. But would you say that those texts are supporting feminism? I I, like I said, I don't necessarily believe we need to embrace feminism. I believe in embracing equality because when we uh, emphasize the importance of both male and female being equal, even in love, whether it's a, a, a relationship of love between male and male or female and female, yeah. as long as we emphasize the love and not really uh, emphasize uh, the gender. Yeah. For me, I believe in equality and yeah. not really feminism. All right, so Rabbi. I don't necessarily believe that we need to embrace feminism. I hear I you. I believe that we need to uh, stress on equality. Okay. That both were made uh, equal before God. Okay. All right, Rabbi. From from the Jewish perspective, is there any scripture that would help us understand what feminist theology is, or perhaps your first your your, your concept of feminist theology, and then if there's any scriptural support for it? Okay. So there are a few points I would like to raise. So first of all, almost all Jewish religious laws um, they describe duties and rights of men. And the rights of women, they are only indirectly stipulated. And some, and many times, it's the description of certain events that happened in the Bible. So, for example, while men had been going three times um, a day to pray in the synagogue, woman remained at home, and she had to go to the temple only three times a year. Uh, for example, women were standing in the protection of the temple and were not um, allowed to enter 
the male part of temple. And male were allowed to freely enter the woman's section. Women could be present at the sacrifice offering, and they had the right to put their hand on the head of the sacrifice animal. But, however, women were obliged to offer sacrifice after giving birth, but were only allowed to enter the temple once they were clean, meaning... For, forgive me for interjecting, Rabbi. I was hoping you'd first give us a de- your understanding of the definition of, 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 of feminism. Um, we cannot see feminism in all of these examples that I'm giving you right now because the male-female relationship is described, um, for example, in morning prayer when the man says, um, uh, Jewish man praises God for not creating him as a woman, right? And woman praises God for having created her after his will. So obviously it's not something that we can use as an example of feminism. Okay. Um, I do be- believe that the text, and um, I can quote you Babylonian Talmud and in Proverbs, it says exclusively that um, we all were created in Betelim Elohim, um, in the image of the God, in the image of the divine. Correct. And our health and our bodies, they're gifts from God, and we need to protect them and nurture them. And, okay. And um, the colleague uh, mentioned Genesis 1, and in, in Genesis 1, verse 27, there is a very famous quote of, um, if I'm not for myself, who will be for me? If I'm not for others, what am I? And if not now, when? Okay. And we understand that all this means that we need to care for ourselves and we need to care for others. And of course, this is unfortunately the value of helping spouses of the base others. Okay, uh, Rabbi, I'm not quite sure what's happening with your line. It is distorting. It is cutting. We're not able to see, to hear exactly what you're saying. It's, it's, it's to make very up. Bad, you. Yes. Yeah. All right. I'm going to have my producer see if we're going to get you in a clearer line. Uh, when we come back from the break, we're going to have uh, then uh, Sheikh Hassan to give us his perspective. Uh, just one more question before I let you go, there, uh, Rabbi. So, can we safely and agree uh, that there is no scripture or the concept of feminism? is not scripturally predicated. We can see with the um, text that we have, we can understand that we had women, that they were fighting for women's rights back in the Bible. But as I said to you many times previously, we know that many texts were written by men, and it was inconvenient for them to write about women that were fighting for equality. I was hoping we wouldn't get down that line. I thought we agreed the last time we spoke that it was not men who they, they wrote as they were inspired. Or are, are you know cha- changing your position that that what they wrote was not given to them by Elohim? No, 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 no. But no, you're now confusing two things. You just said um, you just said, Rabbi, the, the scripture no, was written I by men. That there are texts that were written by men. So Elohim did not inspire those men to write those things that they wrote. It depends which book we're talking, because there is um, the Mishnah Torah, the Sefer Nashim. There is different uh, books. Um, there is rabbis that wrote um, texts. Not everything was from God. Right. I'm talking about texts that were written that were written by human beings, where men write what they think is. Um, woman's position. 
Okay, <laughs> right. <laughs> All right, let me take a break and come back. Why don't we come back and bring in uh, Sheikh Hassan? Stand by. Join the party on Top Billing this Saturday evening at 6 as hip-hop Zulu Katini looks as fly as he sounds in his debut fashion collection. We touch down in Turkey where you turn a corner and find yourself a thousand years back in time. And John dives the waters off Cebu Island in search of that most gentle giant, the whale shark. That's Top Billing this Saturday at 6. Repeat midday Sunday on SABC3. This September, we celebrate National Book Week and World Literacy Day under the theme of literacy in a digital world. SABC Education launches eFunza, an online reading campaign. Uh, The SABC Education eStore is an online catalog with over 46,000 titles ranging from fiction, nonfiction, curriculum, non-curriculum, and free eBooks. Free ebooks, underline free ebooks. Visit this ABC Education website for more details on eFunza as ABC Education enriching minds, enriching lives. Hashtag SAFM Facts of Faith. Trying to get an answer to the question Does religion need to embrace feminist theology to address and fight gender based violence? Bring in now Sheikh uh, Hassan to give us some perspective. Still trying to get this uh, question answered. This is now from the Muslim perspective. Sheikh Hassan, uh, your concept of feminism first, and if it is predicated in your scriptures, kindly share that with us as well. Yeah, thanks, Now, uh, Look, my understanding, if I understand feminism in the modern context, uh, to say that a woman fighting for their rights in terms of religious space you know, uh, being that they've been marginalized because uh, besides society, just general society being patriarchal, the rabbi just said that she gave the view that uh, even religious scholars, you know, the religion came to them via men, and which is patriarchal, and therefore the women were sort of marginalized in the religious space, you understand? And maybe there was a need for then feminism to come and say we also have a right to be in that space. Now, in the case of Islam, that's what I understand feminism, and I think they have a right because uh, from an Islamic pers- perspective, women have a right to be in the religious space, you know, to, to, because it affects them, religion affects them as well, and, and they have a right to, to what, what religion is saying about them. So from that point of view, I think that is, it's fair if you regard that as feminism. But from Islam itself, the Prophet Muhammad, peace be upon him, came at a time uh, in Arabian society 1,400 years ago when women, uh, it was a very patriarchal society, and women were, or, uh, let's use the word, you know, just to, just to explain, women were just a commodity. They had no rights. It was just a commodity. Like so, so therefore, the Prophet, peace be upon him, being a messenger of God, uh, you know, he came, to 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 uh, to uplift that position it was a society it was a society norm and, and not a divine norm and so he came guided by god uh, as you said you know the god the prophets are inspired by god and so he came and gave women their rights uh, at that time when they had no rights so if even from an islamic perspective the muslim man and woman will tell you that uh, one of the many things of the many things that the Prophet, peace be upon him, put right in society at the time, was that he gave women their rights when they had no rights whatsoever at the time. So 
So in a sense, she was fighting for women's rights, you know, gender rights, equality for women, at a time when they had no equality whatsoever. So, you know, just in a nutshell, this is how we're looking at it. Okay. So as far as the Quran is concerned, uh, is there anything that would suggest that perhaps there is feminism being taught there? Well, uh, let me say you something. Yeah, I can, like for instance, uh, when the Quran address, addresses believers, you know, there's verses in Quran, oh, you who believe, oh, you who believe. When it is saying that, it is mentioning the man and woman. It's not referring to the man. So let's start with that. So when there are so many verses, oh, you who believe, uh, you know, when uh, God wants to talk to the believers, I, I am now giving you a laws of inheritance. He's referring to the male and the female jointly. Uh, for instance, in chapter 33, verse 35, you know, of the Quran, that really shows this very nicely, that, uh, you know, for believing men and believing women, for devout men and devout women, for fasting men and fasting, it's highlighting that the man and woman are being addressed here. So, yeah, the Quran is very clear. There's a whole chapter four. And Nisa, you know, there's a chapter yeah. out of the 114 chapters which honors women. It, it's entitled Women. Uh, there's a chapter, Mary, peace be upon her, the mother of yeah. Jesus, peace be upon him. Honoring women, you know, with, imagine a whole chapter in honor of women, a chapter named Mary, peace be upon her. So in that way, Islam was showing the importance of women and not to be marginalized. Okay. All right. Uh, but let's let's get into this issue now. When when generally we speak of uh, uh, of feminism, um, we're speaking of activism. Um, this is activism that is meant to agitate for gender equality. Mm. I'm listening that we're all agreeing on that that this is activism that advocates right. for gender equality. What I'm right. trying to establish and what we've established so far is that there is no example in all these scriptures where uh, women or men would be activists for gender equality. Throughout these religions, the Christian community, the, the, the Jewish community, and, and also the Muslim community. Now my question is, I'm going to begin with you, uh, uh, Dr. Zul. Why then do we speak of uh, feminism or activism for gender equality if there's no scriptural support for any kind of activism to that effect? Um, like I, I already uh, said, that I believe in equality. Well, we have a lot of, of uh, text in the Old Testament that praises women in leadership over men. Uh, we we have the prophetess Miriam who was sent by God to lead Israel. No, 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 Dr. Zuzu, we, we know that part. What we're trying to establish yeah. now is the concept of feminism. Remember the, the predicate of our whole discussion is to establish whether um, religion needs to embrace uh, uh, feminism. <laughs> Uh, or, or the, the, this theology like that has been perpetuated. Said, I don't necessarily believe we need to embrace feminism. I believe we need to accurately uh, speak the scripture so that uh, we also don't promote, like we've all, all agreed that the context in which the scriptures were wrote were written in the, you know, by a uh, male-dominated, in the male-dominated uh, environment. So because of that, the social, the society, culture, and most of these things, they uh, emphasize uh, male dominance over female. So we need to be very careful in that uh, regard that yeah. we don't promote male dominism. Yeah. But we need to uh, uh, be very clear so that we don't promote such, so that yeah. uh, we don't also uh, pr propagate 
this uh, gender violence. Okay. Which is, I know that it can include both uh, male and female. Male and female can be victims, but most of the time it's more because of the environment we live in. It's more women and girls who are victims. All right, so, uh, yeah. Rabbi. Um, why, yes. why? Why do we speak of, of 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 feminism or feminist theology if there is no scriptural support for any agitation by men or women for gender equality? I actually, while um, we were on break, um, there is something interesting that um, I found, and it's uh, from a year ago. There is a new book, and it's called Woman's Bible. And the idea of this book, that it replaces the patriarchal biblical, biblical translations with feminist translations and values. I I, I, I I understand, and we, 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 we have yes. a plan of talking about that. However, for tonight, I would like us to, yes. to explore the concept of feminist theology and see if we can find any support for it. Because the, the, the main question, as I said, seeks to, um, again, to establish if we really need to embrace this concept of feminist theology because we have already established that there is no predicate for it in scripture. There is no support or basis for it. In your view, should we, should we as the, the, the religious fraternity embrace a theology, which is feminist theology in the context of our conversation, that is not scripturally predicated? Yes, but if we will look at the scripture, um, we do know that in different verses, um, for example, if a wife is physically harmed by someone, right, compensation needs to be paid to her husband. But that would the apply to even the husband there, Rabbi? Sorry? That would happen even to the husband. There would always be a measure of justice. If you read the books of Leviticus and the book of Deuteronomy and Numbers, they do explain exactly and what should actually, happen in there. Yeah, but my, my question again, I, I don't want us to, to, to be derailed here, Rabbi. My question is, why or should we embrace a theology such as uh, a feminist theology if there is no scriptural support for it? Yes, we should, because we also need to understand that we're living in the 21st century and we cannot... Um, say about women that, for example, she's a bad wife because she doesn't perform the duties required um, by Jewish law, or if she behaves immodestly, or if she curses her husband or um, his friend. Because we know that sages and rabbis regularly advise men to restrict their wives to be at home, and the men needed to educate them how to be good wives. I noticed that, again, you have, you have, you have reverted to, to, to sages and rabbis and not actually the scriptures. Yes, because the scriptures that, all the scriptures that um, we have in front of us, it shows us how men would, let's call it, educate or punish or um, deal with women if they did something incorrectly. What will be the where in your scriptures does it say that, uh, Rabbi? So, for example, yeah, um, I will give you in Talmud. Ah, uh. for example, in the Talmud, <laughs> do you have anything in the Torah, for example? In the Torah, shop, um, what I um, when I was talking with you previously about property rights, that it's men's property rights, it's they are violated, then he's entitled to compensation. 
Um, I can give you. It's from. No, I was, I was, I was asking about the part where men are supposed to punish and beat their wives when they are misbehaving. Do you have that scriptural, or this is something that was said by scribes and sages and and rabbis and so forth? No, because in in for example, um, in Exodus twenty one, it says. Um, when men fight and one of them pushes a, pushes a pregnant woman and a miscarriage results, but there is no other damages, he will be responsible for the fine according what uh, the husband of that woman will want from him. And the payment needs to be uh, based according to what the husband will want. Yeah. And this is from Exodus 21. And, for example, the next... Where, where in Exodus 21, Rabbi? Exodus 21, verse 21, 22, 23... Let me read them for you. All right. Um, I'm going to begin with verse 12, and then we can get to 25. He that smiteth a man so that he die shall be surely put to death. And if a man lie not in wait, but God deliver him into his hand, then I will appoint thee a place whither he shall flee. But if a man come presumptuously upon his neighbor to slay him with guile, thou shalt take him from mine altar, that he may die. 15. And he that smiteth his father or his mother shall be surely put to death. 16. And he that stealeth a man and selleth him. Or if he be found in his hand, he shall surely be put to death. 17. And he that curseth his father or his mother shall surely be put to death. 18. And if men strive together and one smite another with a stone or with his fist and he die not but keepeth his bed, if he rise again and walk abroad upon his staff, then shall he that smote him be quit only he shall pay for the loss of his time and shall cause him to be thoroughly healed. 20. And if a man smite his servant or his maid with a rod and he die under his hand, he shall be surely punished. Notwithstanding, if he continue a day or two, he shall not be punished for he is his money. 22. If men strive and hurt a woman with child so that her fruit depart from her and yet no mischief follow, he shall be surely punished according as the woman's husband will lay upon him and he shall pay as the judges determine. And if any mischief follow, then thou shalt give life for life, eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth and hand for a hand, foot for a foot, burning for burning, wound for wound, stripe for stripe. I read 12 to 25. The point you were making with the text is what, Rabbi? Is that whatever happens, I mean, if we will think in our days, what you read in the, in the verse 22 about pregnant women, um, if, if it's done consciously or not, um, obviously... Um, that person that hurt pregnant woman will be dealing with pregnant woman. But back then, whatever husband would like to receive, he would receive. Nobody, there is not a word about carrying um, 
about the woman or, or, or the child. The judges, it does say, uh, uh, Rabbi, that the judges must determine judges what is to happen. Will, judges will decide according to the husband's will. No one talking about women. No, let me read again. 22 reads, if men strive and hurt a woman with child so that her fruit depart from her and yet no mischief follow, he shall be surely be uh, be punished according as the woman's husband will lay upon him and he shall pay as the judges determine. So it doesn't say the judges will listen to what the man says. There are two alternatives there. One, the man shall determine and the judges will determine. I see. My translation is a bit... I mean, uh, I'm, I'm looking at um, the Hebrew text and um, the translation is different. Okay. So when you're looking at Hebrew, it does say that it's Ba'ala. And, and what I mentioned previously is that uh, at the moment when men and women get married, um, women becomes... Uh, the, the husband becomes Ba'al, which which means that it's both ownership and the lordship. Yeah. Again, um, uh, uh, so what you're saying is, in spite of the fact that we don't find any activism for gender equality in scriptures, we must follow any theology, even though it is extra-scriptural. Yes. Okay. All right. Uh, Sheikh, from your perspective, should we pursue uh, a theology that is extra-scriptural? Well, I can't speak for the others, but in Islam, this, that doesn't arise because Islam in the text has uh, the prophet fought the gender rights for the woman at his time. There was inequalities, and he was the greatest uh, fighter and activist for w- women's rights. You get my point? And, and he's put it in the scripture, and he's given the woman the rights that when they did not have the rights. I think we are 1,400 years later, the Western world. In Islam, if you go look at Islamic history and the time in the time of the Prophet, you know, when a man died, uh, he had the pots and pans and the cows and the camel, and the wife was part of the furniture and commodity, and she was passed on as inheritance. She was an article of inheritance. And here comes the Prophet and says the woman has her own right of inheritance. She's not a commodity, and she has her own money, and she can keep her own financial accounts. Now, that was revolutionary at the time, and he enshrined. In, in, at the time, it was sort of like blasphemy in the Arabian society when he spoke these things, because it was a very patriarchal society. So in Islam, it doesn't arise. The women are very, we're so happy because here came a, a, a prophet who gave them rights which they never had. Well, um, uh, Sheikh, uh, I, I can appreciate your uh, permutation of what had happened at the time. However, uh, the very concept of polygamy is anti-feminism. Uh, feminists don't even support the concept of a man having more than one wife. We do know after the passing away of Khadija, uh, he did take more than just one. And that is against feminist theology. Okay, now uh, can I, now if you say that is against the feminist theology, yes, Sarah, peace be upon her, the wife of Abraham, correct, even before the prophet, yeah, she chose Hagar to be a wife. She was for polygamy. Now, is yeah. it because the modern day woman is against polygamy that makes the modern day feminist that does that make it right? I'm not even going scripturally, to scripturally no, but scripturally Naya. Yeah. So we can't judge their opinion as the correct opinion. It's an opinion we will respect it. But we don't have to accept the modern day woman opinion of monogamy as the right way. I understand. And against polygamy. It doesn't mean it's correct. 
there are women there are women today who accept polygamy even today i, I understand so i don't think it's correct to say that because some families don't like polygamy that it is wrong it's a matter of their view they are entitled to it I understand. That's that's exactly what we're having a conversation about there, uh, right. Sheikh. That we're talking about exactly that. Remember, the question is asking whether we should embrace a feminist theology, and it would appear as though now you're no longer supporting the concept of feminist theology. But remember, even with with Sarah and Hagar, uh, she was later cast away twice. Uh, she was cast away by Sarah, implying that perhaps Sarah was no longer happy with sharing her husband and the benefits that flow from that with Hagar. So I'm not quite sure if your if your uh, examples would support your argument because we know mm-hmm. twice did uh, Sarah chase Hagar away. You see, that's one way of looking at it, but there are other examples of polygamy, not only of Abraham in the Bible. You know that, Naya. So, yes. But that's another, I don't want to get off the mark. We, I could argue that it was God's command to get Hagar away to form another tree, and, because he was going to be a father of many nations. So that's another matter of how we interpret In Skim Sum, this month, tempers flare over Cafe Robuashes. Lehasa panics when his past comes knocking. Cat and Candace are insulted when they are snubbed by a law student. Lehasa receives great news regarding his surrogacy hustle, but his excitement is soon cut short. Catch all the action on Skim Sam on SABC One every weekday at 6.30. SABC Education, enriching minds, enriching lives. September's about to get real with Three's hot new reality shows. Own the party with Chef Matthew Biancanello's show-stopping cocktails, inspired by exotic locations in good spirits, Wednesdays at 8.30. Then, own the island as millennials take on Generation X's in a new season of Survivor, every Monday at 7.30. And get runway ready with the queen of fabulosity in Kimura's House of Fab on Fridays at half past seven. The best entertainment, for real, only on SABC3. The stage is yours. Own it. This September, we celebrate National Book Week and World Literacy Day under the theme of Literacy in a Digital World. As ABC Education launches eFunza, an online reading campaign, and the SABC Education eStore is an online catalog with over 46,000 titles ranging from fiction, non-fiction, curriculum, non-curriculum, and free e-books. Visit the SABC Education website for more details on eFunza, SABC Education, enriching minds, enriching lives. Make sure you have the facts and not just the faith on SAFM. Do beg your pardon there, Sheikh. Our system cut us off while we were talking. All right. Uh, so uh, what I was hoping that we would get to the crux of there, Sheikh, uh-huh. is when when we speak of uh, the the marriages of, of, of Mohammed and uh, the wives that he married after Khadija passed away, right. um, would, would you not say that perhaps is what women are railing against, that Mohammed uh, had the right to marry more than one, but women are not entitled to marry more than one man yeah now well let's let's get to that well, let's let's understand that in the time of the prophet muhammad peace be upon him 
even before he came, they were having many wives. So he didn't start a trend or something. He, 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 he came and found unlimited polygamy in his society. That was the situation. He didn't start polygamy, right? It was in time, from the time of immemorial, polygamy was there in all cultures and religions. He came and, in fact, restricted it. There was unlimited polygamy at this time, and he restricted to maximum four. And if you can't deal justly with that four, then you better stay with one only. Yeah. You know? So, so, so it's not fair to say that he, uh, he came and, and they're taking objection to what he, in fact, reduced the, the, the un, uh, unrestricted polygamy, number one. Number two, in the case of the Prophet Muhammad, peace be upon him, Naya, yeah. all his wives were divinely chosen. He didn't choose his own wife. Yeah. You, we just said that God chooses his prophets and he inspires them. And that went for his wives as well. So he, it wasn't out of his lust or desire that he did it. And the Quran testifies to that. So what I think we need to come to feminism, coming back you know, to, to the, the issue what, which I like you discussing. Yeah. From a, I think if I can make my point from a Muslim and Islamic perspective and Quranic perspective, you know, in chapter uh, uh, 2 verse 229, for instance, the Quran gives the woman her rights, which are similar to men. It's enshrined in the Quran, in the constitution of the Muslim. But those uh, rights you know, there, uh, Sheikh, remember those rights are not equal to the rights of men. They are different. They may have rights, but those different, those differences are what are a cause for contention. I want to bring your attention to another issue about uh, the wife, uh, the third wife of the Prophet Muhammad, Aisha. It is alleged that uh, Aisha was very young when she was betrothed to the Prophet Muhammad and very young when she went to live with the Prophet uh, to the extent that even the assumption of consummation was the age of puberty and at the time puberty could have been uh, estimated to be at 14 or 15. Uh, would that still not be objectionable to the feminist theologians? Well, if it was, Naya, they would have objected to it at his time. 1,400 years, somebody can't come and object to an event that happened 1,400 years ago. If it was something wrong that she did, the feminists at that time would have objected to it, and they didn't. There was not a single uh, critic of the Prophet, peace be upon him, and all the literature is available. I'm talking about at his time now, in his culture, in his society. There's not a single person, even his arch enemies, never objected to him marrying Aisha. Okay. So... So I don't know where the story is coming from about this modern-day feminist. We've yeah. got to understand that I myself don't agree. Not everything of the modern feminist is correct. They, they're entitled to it, but we don't have to agree with them. All right. Let me take some calls for you, all of you. My guests, 891 Let's go to Ayanda in Port Shepston. Good evening, Ayanda. Uh, good evening, Naya. Thanks for taking my call. Thanks for calling. Uh, your question... Oh, I've been holding for a long time. Uh, my answer is Thanks no. Thanks for holding, Ayan. You're welcome. My, my, my answer is no. E religion doesn't embrace feminism. No, should it? We're asking should religion embrace... Oh, yeah. should it. Um, it shouldn't uh, because there is no need for it. If things were done according to the word, then we wouldn't be having this topic today. Okay. Okay. The reason I'm saying that there's a book, Galatians, and then there's Hosea. I think it's Galatians 3:28. Your first guest mentioned that book, yeah. Book of Galatians, and then there's Hosea, and then there's Leviticus. Until we're talking about feminism. Yes. Let's go to because I heard while you're talking to the sheikh about marriage, this and that. Let's go to menstrual cycle. 
In Leviticus, yes, I understand, it is the Old Testament. Yeah. Maybe the old law, if you were to say. Okay. If a woman was having bodily excretions, which is a body, a body discharge. Secretions, yeah. Yes. Yeah. And so does the man. Yeah. Because the man has his own. That's right. Uh, the, 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 the woman was considered unclean. By unclean, it did impure or unclean. It did not mean that she was bad for society. Yeah. A certain ritual had to be done. Actually, in, in your it scriptures, it, it calls it ritually unclean. Yes, Correct. ritually unclean. Yeah. And then she had to be ritually cleansed. That's right. It took seven days. The same applies with and men. And the man, the, the, the woman. And if a man were to touch her, she was also deemed unclean. Yeah. And then comes to giving birth. If then God approached Moses and said, Moses, if a woman, go and tell your sons or go and tell the Israelites. If, this is now according to the word, the word not me. That's, that's my opinion and my understanding of it. If a woman gives birth to a male, a boy, child, I think the child, I can't remember now my notes are messed up. Days. Days. The child must be killed or the mother must be killed, something to that nature. Yeah. If you gave birth to a boy, child. Yeah. Okay. I understand. Okay. And this boy child, you didn't bump into a tree and then fell pregnant. It took <laughs> a man and a woman. Yeah, I hear you. Yeah. 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 So you're saying so, uh, if, 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 if things were done according to scripture, there would not be a need for feminist theology. We wouldn't be having this topic. Maybe we would be talking about something else. Wow. How to and... acquire higher consciousness. Wow. How to... No, that's my opinion, Naya. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. No, not to put down or... or no, I, or I appreciate it. I appreciate it. I appreciate it. Especially coming from a woman. Thank you very much, Ayanda. Appreciate your call. Very interesting. If things were done according to scripture, there would not be a need for feminist theology. Uh, we do have a guest now calling us a, a caller. Uh, Eastern Zanumwe, Evangelist Zanumwe. Good evening to you and thank you very much for calling. What's on your mind, sir? Good evening, Naya. Thank you so much for taking me. Uh, I had I just took the words out of my mouth. Okay, I okay. Know, I don't know if I've got anything much to say. <laughs> <laughs> but you know what? I just want to back up what she has just said. Yeah. If things were done, for, for me as a Hebrew, if things were done according to the scripture, surely there is no need for this discussion. Yeah. And uh, just to try and maybe address your question, you know, you don't want uh, to include things that are not in the scriptures to be part of your faith. Yeah. But once you include agitations yeah. that are coming as a result of societal changes yeah. and put them in the faith, then you've got something wrong. The faith does not change. It remains constant. You see, we worship Abayahua and he has given us his Torah. It doesn't change. Yeah. So, so, all things that happen in our society, the agitation, the so-called development of society, they don't impinge and affect the faith. But, but Evangelist, what do you say to arguments that suggest that the, the text at the time was addressing uh, issues of the time? And these things that are happening now did not arise then. And there is need now to address this gender-based violence, which did not arise at the time. Women at the time were taken care of. They were respected. And so there was no need to, for it to be scriptural. But right now, there seems to be a war on women. And then the, hence the need for the, feminist theology. Well, how, how do you respond to that? My, my my view is that I think we we are misplacing our 
our our our our our problems, rather the causes of our problems, because you know the the, the, the scriptures teach that you have got the Torah to guide your life. Now, if you go against the Torah, there are repercussions for doing this. I'm not in any way condoning any violence against anyone. But this is how it works. If a man and a woman, they come together, they have a child, then the man runs away, and then the, child, and then the woman goes to abort that child. And then we as a country, as a state, we enact laws that allow killing of people in the name of abortion. The blood of those children is crying to Abayahua. And once that happens, it is recorded as murder before the constitution of Abayahua. But evangelists, yes. remember the killing is not something that is uh, entirely uh, absent in your community uh, because we do know that as far as your Torah is concerned, killing was a commonplace. Anyone who would be doing anything against the Torah would be stoned, taken outside the camp and stoned. Even a Sabbath breaker, somebody who feels he needs to warm his food up or cook his food, uh, if he's found, he'll be taken and stoned. Remember the incidents where this man was caught and was taken to Moses and Aaron and Moses and Aaron did not know what to do. They consulted God and God said, uh, take him outside the uh, camp and let everyone uh, stone them, stone that man to death. So killing is not necessarily foreign to your community, is it now, evangelist? No, that's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is those people, they are, those are judgments being passed on the people that have broken the Torah. All right, all right. Let's, right. Let's... So when you, when, you, when you are bored, when you kill a child, you are actually breaking the Torah, and the, 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 the judgment is that stoning that you are talking about. Okay. But now that, that there is no stoning, what happens is we face the consequences of spilling blood in our nation. It doesn't end. Then you will find that this results in violence in our homes. One last question is... before I let you go. One last question. You read the Torah and you identify yourself as a Hebrew Israelite. We do have the rabbi, Margolis, who also identifies herself as an Israelite and also studies uh, the, the Hebrew. And you probably are supposed to be having the same understanding, but it would appear as though, as far as the rabbi is concerned, uh, she is for adding some uh, feminist theology to address these things that were, well, omitted by men. Uh, she says she these things, uh, the Bible, some scriptures in the Bible were written by men, and so they were not in favor of women. How do you respond to her? The way I understand it, the, 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 the Torah, as Abayawa speaks in Numbers chapter 12, he says he spoke to Masha uh, face to face, mouth to mouth, giving him the instructions of how to live. And that's, that's, that's our guideline. And those instructions are timeless. Okay. They cover any period of human life. You, you, you'll get an, an opportunity, Rabbi. Don't worry. Go ahead, uh, Evangelist. Right. Those, those instructions are timeless. They cover our lives through whatever, however we are going to develop, whatever technology we are going to acquire, those instructions are the basis of life. Okay. They, they don't require any agitation against them. Okay. So Got as it. long Got as it. we follow those instructions, we will not have the problems that will require agitation. Got it. Got it. All right. Let me give the rabbi an opportunity to respond to that. And rabbi, please, when you respond, you also well, give us your, your last words. I'm going to go to uh, the evangelist, uh, no, no, not to the evangelist, to the Dr. Uh, Zulu, and then the sheikh will have the final word on the matter. So go ahead. You can respond and give us your parting shot. Sure. Um, we are talking about um, Bible, but um, the core idea is that we are commanded 
not to stand idle by while our neighbors bleed. And if we we'll think about last few weeks that happened here in South Africa and the sanctity of human life, it's one of the core values of our value system. And I think that I can talk not just from the point of view of Judaism, but it's the same value system in Christianity and in Islam. And when we see that women um, and we see children can be um, abused and they're being killed, we need to check what is our tradition teaches us and where are we in all this and it is our responsibility to protect the safety of all our citizens and we need to teach we need to educate we need to go to um, religion and we need to go to the society because none of the scriptures does not teach to rape children to kill children yeah so it's all good but when we have all these cases here day by day, it's not only just to talk about the scripture. We actually need to do... All right, but, um, but you, you still haven't answered the question, the, 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 the point that the evangelist was raising, that you should not bring in issues into the faith that are not uh, documented into your scriptures. Your response to that, please? I do believe that we need to bring um, the, the, more, the modern views and we need to bring... Um, uh, um, feminist view to our scripture. All right, got it. Thank you very much, Ivan, uh, Rabbi. Let's go to Dr. Uh, Zulu. Dr. Zulu, your, your parting shot. I believe that we do not have to add or subtract anything from the Bible. Uh-huh. Uh, the only thing is the interpretation. Sometimes we tend to interpret the Bible as it suits us. But what I want to say as my closing note is that Jesus, in all his ways and deeds, left us an example to treat women as equals with men, never subordinate or restricted the role. Okay. His treatment of women as equal defied the ju- judicial, social, and religious customs of his day. On judicial matters where women's rights were curtailed, such as regarding adultery and divorce, he treated men and women equally. In, in a society that regarded women as less intelligent and less moral than men, Jesus respected women's intelligence and spiritual capacity. All right, all right. It is evident in the great spiritual truth he originally taught to women such as in the book of John 4, verse 10 to 26. All right, let's have the Sheikh respond. Sheikh, one minute, uh, your parting shot. Well, I, I agree with the, the evangel and that, uh, you know, if we followed the laws that were originally revealed, uh, God is not male or female or gender biased, things would have been fine. But things have changed. And, and in Islam in particularly, I said the, the Prophet, peace be upon him, was the activist and we, there's no need for gender theology in the law itself, in the scripture. But I agree with what you said, Naya, that, in, you know, as time goes, people, for, the law may be there, but is it being implemented? And men maybe tend to forget to, to give the woman their rights. So women need to educate. I agree with that. And they, to implement in, in the law that is there. The law could be in a book, but if it's not implemented, you need activism, gender activism to remind them to implement that law. So there's nothing wrong with that. Uh, because women need the rights, we, Islam gives them the rights, but because of patriarchy and cultural practices, sometimes it doesn't happen. So you need activism to enforce or to make sure the law, the divine law given to them in the Quran and Sunnah is being implemented. All right, thank you very much. Um, uh, Rabbi, uh, please ponder upon these words. Deuteronomy chapter 4, verse 2. You shall not add to the word which I am commanding you, nor take away from it, that you may keep the commandments of the Lord your God, which I command you. 
helpful. So ponder upon those words. Perhaps when we meet again, perhaps for coffee, you can help me understand how you feel. But it's okay to add feminist theology to your scriptures. That said, I'm going to leave I'm it right there. <laughs> All right. Uh, that said, we're going to conclude our conversation. Dr. Pamela Zuru, thank you very much for coming through and talking to us. Rabbi Margolis, appreciate you coming through. Sheikh Hassan, really appreciate your time. From me, Nayelu Pondwana, and the team, have a wonderful evening and Godspeed. Up next, the news with Kanye Celia Magnoli.